You're listening to Version Control, Pounding Grain's digital news podcast. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Reddit. If someone asked you what all these platforms had in common, you'd probably say they're forms of social media, which is true. But what's also true is there are important elements of each that set them apart as being a social network or an online community. So what's the diff? What's the difference between me and you? What's the difference between me and you? Basically, social networks are the online versions of who we interact with IRL. Consider Facebook as a whole. Your friends list is mostly made up of friends, relatives, coworkers, and other people you know and have already met. Whereas online communities like Reddit, Facebook groups, online forums, and even exchange sites like Buns are made up of people who don't have any pre-established connections. All kinds of people who would often never meet in person come together because of a shared common interest or goal. Whatever your thing is, there's an online community for it. We see this kind of dedication with podcast listeners, Twitch stream watchers, and Patreon subscribers as well. These communities are so devoted that the creators can depend on them for monetary stability. We've seen fans raise huge amounts of money for those they support, like Critical Role, a D&D YouTube channel whose fans contributed over $9 million in a matter of days to their Kickstarter. You heard that right. So what makes online communities so powerful? AKA, what can marketers learn from them? First of all, people like what they like, and the more niche and specific, the better. Plus, these communities often have a sense of trust, collaboration, and transparent two-way communication where everyone feels accepted, which is perfect for brands conducting market research. And when you break it down, people stick around for two reasons. The ability to contribute to the community, and two, the perception of benefiting or receiving something in return from the community. Version Control presents the online community, community. So we've got Ivana, she's in the driver's seat today. Yep, so if this sounds like poop, it's because of me. <laughs> it won't. We've got Scott, our creative director. Hello, I'm back, but I'm in a different seat just to throw everybody off. And we got Nick. Yeah. What's your title, Nick? I am a content specialist. <laughs> <laughs> content specialist. Yeah. And there's me, Andrea, social media manager. Wow. What are we talking about today, Andrea? Online communities. And the power behind them. Um, so I think it's kind of an interesting wide open topic, which is, which is very topical at the time. Um, we were kind of touching on it before we hit record, um, but like there is a substantial difference between a social media channel and an online community. Um, Nick, do you want to kind of take us through your theory on why those are so different? Sure. I think it's because at least traditionally with social media channels, when you signed up, you were sort of creating a digital version of communities that you were already a part of. So you went and found a bunch of your friends that you already had or brands or bands or 
personalities that you wanted to follow and you curated your sort of um, your following based on that. But online communities don't need to be that at all. It's, a, it's, it's probably under a like, larger heading that you would bring you there. But once you're in there, you're a part of a group of people that from far and wide who you may never have met IRL. Um, there's probably no greater example of this than within the gaming community, but I'm sure that there's lots of other examples. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's really just a testament to the power of interest, right? And above all, even if you've never physically met another person, the, online, the power of online communities is really shown through the sort of the power of and the strength of shared interest. Mm-hmm. So whether, and by online communities, we're, we're talking about everything from people who are interested in a particular television show or a song to even political messages or technology. It's just, a, it's just this kind of free-for-all where anybody can drop into a community somewhat anonymously um, within a group of other individuals who share a love of something or an obsession with something or, 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 or respect for something. And I think it even goes um, one step further. Like one thing that um, that you didn't mention is life stages. There's a lot of online communities where people can seek support for um, different phases of their lives or anything that's difficult that they're kind of going through. I'm, I'm thinking that there's some out there for potentially like if you're getting married and I know that there's some things out there for parents and anybody that's, let's say, having a child. Um, so there's a lot of that um, life stages and, and support out there too. True. Serious things as well. I just picture it being for like, you know. Video games. Yeah, or like <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs fan club. But yeah, you're right. And it, it makes sense, like, uh, I don't remember the exact stat, but we all know that um, word of mouth means everything. And people look to other people for their references or for advice. And so you could read a book or find something that is aligned to your interest. But when you find other people that are aligned to that interest and the more specific, the even better, then you get to actually connect with them and make a, build a relationship and kind of have a two-way kind of communication and one thing that I thought of when you mentioned that like um, word of mouth and relying on other people um, even online reviews even though like different online retailers have their own online review system but it's like a small online community within that people are sharing their their expertise on the product that they've purchased and giving their opinion so there's like so many different ways that you can see online communities and groups um, within the online community. Um, like even, like we mentioned Facebook, like Facebook may not be considered an online community, but they, they do have subgroups mm-hmm. where that you can um, meet other people, let's say that the same interest and so on and so forth. Yeah, Mark, who isn't in the room, is obsessed with plants. And I know that he is part of a lot of Facebook plant groups. So he's, uh, totally. Nick's given a weird look. Uh, my weird look <laughs> is because he, he added to me to, um, invited me to Bun's Plant Zone, which is not exactly what I thought it would be. Uh, it's very much an online community. I thought it was more like a marketplace, but it's just a bunch of people who love plants. Totally, and it's awesome. But I find myself kind of irritated by it because I see an awesome plant and I think it's for sale, and it's not. It's someone just asking <laughs> a stupid question about it and, <laughs> and asking for I the want ep- your plant. <laughs> yeah, they're asking for the ep- expertise of the group, and uh, a I never have that. B I want the plant. So <laughs> next question, how do I buy that plant? Yeah. Where totally. do I buy that? Plant? So that kind of brings up an interesting point. So you're part of the buns plant zone. I was going to ask everybody, like, are you guys part of any online communities that I guess, first of all, that you're willing to talk about because it's, I know, you know, it's 
they're there for anonymity sometimes. Yeah. That's um, true. I think for my part, <laughs> not to be, to, to play into the trope of me being like distrustful and weird. <laughs> about, You're distrustful? About, no. <laughs> yeah, about, about no. online things. But um, just like comments on YouTube pages or reviews, I don't trust people that I don't know well enough. It's not, it's not even that I don't, know you necessarily uh physically it's more that i we might not be aligned on pretty much anything so why would i trust anything that you would say uh so i have like a small group of very tangible people in my life that i actually trust what they say so when i go on an online forum i'll read everything but i take everything with a grain of salt so i'm not so much a part of the community that i'm like full in i think to be part of the community you also have to contribute to it as well so if you're kind of looking at it from the outside, then maybe you're not. That's a great point. Part of it. Yeah, you know what? I I think I dip into a lot of them. I, I'm not a huge contributor contributor to any of them. I will say that I do dip into like lots of sort of um, well, in lots of places in Reddit, in sort of the music community. I will just check out what's going on, but I'm not a huge contributor. So, music community. Buns is a really interesting one in general just because it has so many facets now. And mm -hmm. for those who aren't familiar, I believe it actually was started in Toronto, though it's really blown up. Uh, and it was just a Facebook marketplace for trading only that now has uh, lots of subsets of communities. So I want to I pause right there for a second because I actually think you're, you forgot mm -hmm. one really important online community that you were part of that we all really needed help with. We were working on a project a few months ago where we needed to find a dancer. Right. And instead of us cold calling a bunch of websites, you just went to some online oh, true. community. And true. like it was super helpful. Everybody on there was like without even being asked to be part of the project, was giving us names and options and all these like different things. And was that not an enjoyable experience for you? No, that's totally true. That's one that I've definitely forgotten about because I haven't used it in a while. But back when I was more in the freelance zone, um, there is an, a Facebook group called I Need a Producer Fixer something, I think, a performer, something like that. But uh, it's grown to be a pretty huge community, and it's uh, Canada-wide, worldwide sometimes, because you see people that are like, you know, I, I work for a German production company, but we have a shoot in mm -hmm. Ottawa looking to fill all of these roles. So that one is act actually, like, pretty active. I got some jobs out of it. And I've also found some people um, to fill roles through it. So great point, Scott. That's a good one. So it kind of like speaks to the power of these things and that it's just like the shared interest of like doing cool projects. Everybody kind of comes together. I think it's like a really cool example of, of how powerful they mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. Totally. Uh, Andrea, what kind of what, what online communities are you part of? Um, so one online community that I used to be a part of that I'm not really a part of anymore was called Cora. Have either any yeah. of you guys heard of Corda? Corda. No. Um, so essentially, what it is is uh, it's like a an online community where people they uh, post a question and the community answers the question. So I was actually on that um, for one of my previous roles, um, where we had a we did a lot of blogs, um, basically around like employment and fi finding employment and things like that. So we went in there trying to see if we could find anybody that had questions that were similar to the content that we were creating, um, and then our our idea or our strategy was to kind of use these opportunities to reach out to people and drive them to our content online. So. Um, didn't it 
did okay. I wouldn't say it did, it did great, but I think it, it's just a great example of how um, companies and marketers can leverage these online communities to actually like um, help help with their 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 brand awareness and help with their you know selling their products or services. That's a that's a great segue because I, I did kind of want to get into like how to how to use online communities and use is the wrong word, but like how to recognize the power of online communities for a specific goal. Cause I think one thing that brands especially need to watch out for is that their online communities don't exist for any purpose other than for the interest. So if you're a brand and you want to try to go in there and infiltrate it and sell people stuff like that, um, you're, you're going to be hard pressed to get people to invite you into a community like that. Unless, unless that's specifically what it's for. Um, but do you guys have any examples of where uh, brands or from a marketing standpoint, an online community could be a huge benefit? Um, I can think of two examples, um, both being examples of communities that I'm a part of, and I've talked about them both before. But the first one being the Valley Folk, which we've talked about a few times. Um, I'm part of that community in terms of like being a YouTube subscriber, but I'm also like a paying member because I'm part of their Patreon thing. So that means I get like exclusive perks and stuff. Um, and they've been around for a long time. So as a an audience member, a fan, a, a person who's part of that community, um, along with the other viewers, we have a lot of... Um, there's a lot of inside jokes that only the viewers would kind of know. And so when the Valley folk, um, who are like basically just comedians, online creators, um, when they get like a sponsored uh, spot to share on their podcast or something to kind of uh, promote in a video, there's two ways I look at it as a fan, as a consumer. If it's, first of all, if it's something that they have agreed to promote and it makes sense for them and I know that they're using it, then I'm like, okay, that was smart on the marketer's part because they were like, this product makes sense for their audience, it makes sense for their demographic. But then the second part is oftentimes like on podcast ads, it'll just be like a scripted thing that's the same that they just send out to everyone. But there have been a few times, um, and the one time was MeUndies, where I really appreciated what they did, they, where they like actually took some of the inside jokes from the Valley folk and I guess like wrote it into their little script for them. Because when they were reading it out, they were like, oh, that's kind of funny. Like th that's, they know, like they looked into us. Um, and I really appreciated that on the marketer's side because they took the time and effort to like understand that community. Um, and then the other example is just basically um, dog spotting, which is a Facebook group, which is exactly what it sounds like, spotting dogs around the world. Um, there's been a lot of things placed where, you know, dog pet related brands will get in there. So like that's just like makes sense for the community. I think one way that um, brands can also kind of leverage the power of online communities is if they're upfront and they say they're using it for research purposes. Mm -hmm. Because... I think with this whole notion of audience segmentation and big data, it, it does kind of open the world up to... These niche communities are extremely knowledgeable, they're extremely powerful, and they can provide you insights into a world that... Very quickly into a world that you, would take years for you to, to master. Um, so somebody like Marguerite on our team would probably do really, really well in, in an environment like that where they're looking to kind of find out exactly how people are reacting to certain things, but being upfront with it and saying, okay, we're here to do a little bit of research. We want to make things better. We want to do X for this type of community. And I find that when you are kind of honest about stuff like that, the community itself is very forthcoming. 
they're they're saying okay cool like somebody's really interested in what we're talking about um let's give them all the information they want because this is our jam and, and we want, and somebody is actually interested in what we're talking about so i think that's that's very cool and but the the key is to be transparent about it if you go in and you pretend you know, like you just start asking questions and and not really contributing to it and somebody finds out who you are it could be it could it could mean bad news yeah, definitely need to be authentic. And I think like there's a lot of people have opinions and people want to share their opinions. And I think online communities are a really great way for uh, marketers and businesses to kind of uh, really tap into a potential um, potential customer and see what it is that they're thinking, what their pain points are, um, what their needs are. So, so I agree with what you said, Scott. I think that brings up a good point too when you say people have opinions because like all people with opinions on the internet, you have a lot of room for trolls as well. Mm. Uh, not to be dark about it, but that's why all these communities always have moderators and need yeah. them. And I think that's just to kind of go back to some of the questions we were thinking about ahead of uh, the podcast was like, how have they changed? And I think it's just all, you know, recognizing the need that there's so much cyber bullying out there and um, that need to, to kind of hunker down on the trolls and make it a safe and enjoyable uh, group for everybody to participate in. One thing I think Reddit has done really well is they've empowered their mods. Um, so they basically said like, we're as Reddit, we are a, plat a technological platform, but it's the people that are gonna be moderating these communities. So they themselves as, a, as, as the providers of that technology take a step back and they say this whole online community, regardless of what sub you're in right now, is going to be controlled by those who are in the community. So it's their rules. They're they're the moderators. They're they're the ones kind of, you know, making sure everything stays either on topic or doesn't, depending on, on how things are. Um, which those I think is really smart. Egalitarian societies never work in practice. <laughs> maybe in in Reddit land only. I think you're right. Yeah, and, and it's because it's a it's a group of mods that are that are there and and they empower new mods and remove mods like it's a it's a bit of an organic system mm. um you can kind of see you see it happen quite a bit and it's uh, over the years and sort of like the some of like the legacy subreddits that are out there and and how many times the mod the, the the mods have changed over time one thing that i've noticed uh, as well, sorry, Nick, um, with online communities and like regulations is that oftentimes the, the users try to take um, certain groups or conversations off of a certain platform and try to create, let's say, a Facebook group out of it. And a lot of these uh, groups or platforms are putting regulations in like, you know, you can't post about directing people off of our site. Um, and I think that's interesting, too. They're really trying to protect their platform and, and that audience that they're that they're gathering. So. Mm -hmm. Have you guys ever had a um, a not so great experience with an online community, or or heard of one? I I think it's more just it's not that I've had a bad experience. It's just that I've felt outside of it. Like, um, I, I the best example I can think of right now, even though I'm back on, is has been buns, <laughs> because it sounded like a great idea to begin with. And then I was, it was, it's just like inundation. There was just like way too much happening on it that I didn't care about, uh, uh, discussions popping up that I wasn't a part of. And I was just like, I wasn't in the mood to be a part of that community at that time, but I wouldn't say there was anything like super harmful about it. It's just like you're in it or you're not. So why, why, you know, just be in the crowd Mm -hmm. if you're not participating yeah that can be tough for um 
for new people to join specific communities because mm-hmm. like I was saying like there are those inside jokes or those unwritten rules that you kind of have to follow and sometimes they are written somewhere like under the the group's guidelines but most people don't look at them and then people will quickly call you out if you're not kind of following those rules whether it's like we only say these things or we only post these kinds of content um so in that way it's 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 awesome for those who are in the group but for newcomers it can be a little bit uh intimidating at first and it might take a little bit of um time to adjust and feel kind of welcomed Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this is different from group to group or online community to online community but that's definitely i guess uh a factor that should be considered when groups are looking to grow and like encourage more people to join. Sometimes I've found like the communities can be judgy um, and a little bit um, not nice, um, especially like when asking questions um, and, and that type of thing. And sometimes like a lot of time, well, sometimes um, depending on what the group is and if you're talking about like touchy topics, like potentially if it's politics, um, arguments can, can, um, come up quite quickly and then they can kind of become a bit negative so um i think that's just one of the other like the other edge of the sword when Mm -hmm. it comes to online communities um that i i have experienced but um for the most part i think it's they are a great way to like get some information and and um communicate with people that are have a common interest that's the balance though right is it is very very powerful uh for communities to come together whether it's you know, virtually or digitally or, or IRL. Um, but I mean, when big groups come together, it's not always the most positive thing either. Like they they can be, you know, for lack of a better term, weaponized, mm-hmm. um, which we've all seen quite a bit of, especially online. And the tricky thing with the online stuff is it's faceless. Mm-hmm. And that feeds right into what you were talking about, Andrea, which is like this whole idea of it, it really kind of opens up the gate to, to online bullying um, and like, you know whether or not you know you know you your your exact definition of what online bullying is i think all i'm trying to say is like not everybody in the community thinks the same way um all the time and a lot of people i find or not a lot but sometimes people kind of take advantage of that and i think that's the kind of like what you're talking about before with like the double-edged sword is like yeah sure you've got about this like really powerful community in terms of like a subject matter and they really you know, they come together on like a common ground, but at the same time, if you activate them in a negative way, that's a that's a tough storm to to try to weather. Mm-hmm. On the on the flip side, I remember it's an anecdote from Mark uh, that I did. He say that on this podcast, or just uh, you know, without a microphone in front of him. But it was when he joined uh, the Leafs Nation, <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs fan club, but it has something like three million members or something like that. And the admins gave him a by name shout out on the forum as soon as he joined. And then there was like a hundred people saying, hi, Mark, hi, Mark, hi, Mark <laughs> afterwards. So kind of weird, but you know, even though there are the, the, the negative sides and there's the trolls, but there's some, you know, wonderful inclusion that can happen as well. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's what everybody would hope it would fall on is that, you know, the, these communities are there for good and, and we're helping. And there's tons of great examples of like online communities coming together for charities and, um, you know, to find answers for people. Like there, you, you read multiple examples of people who have found family members because online communities are able to help them connect the dots and stuff like that. Just people who, who are interested in helping. Um, 
but again, like they, it's a, it can go either way. It's a little bit scary on how powerful these things can be sometimes. I think another opportunity that online communities presents, and I mean, really, this has been around since the beginning of the internet, but um, the internet allows people to meet one another. And more often than not, a lot of these groups do take their communities offline and into the real world with whether it's meetups to meet like your favorite creator or actual conventions. I mean, that's kind of like what VidCon was when it began, right? It was like an opportunity for you to meet these people who have built a community and that you feel a part of. And since then, it's obviously grown into something much bigger and kind of a uncontrollable beast. But I think the idea of being able to meet also in person and like have that connection with these people who you would otherwise never really meet is kind of a beautiful thing. But again, double-edged sword, it could also be a negative thing if people are meeting to like discuss things that aren't great. <laughs> what what channels do you guys use for, you know, to either take part in an online community or to observe one? Like, do you have like a go-to or is it just kind of all over the place? If I'm looking for something specific, like we were talking about um, like life stage or if it's like a health thing or anything, like usually my first place is Reddit. Like I check to see if there's a subreddit because those are always active and current and um, people are willing to communicate and share. Um, and then, yeah, I really just like a couple, the only Facebook group for me is dog spotting. That's mm-hmm. really all I use Facebook for. So I would say subreddit's the main one. Would you guys consider, I mean, and this is only because I only just started, so I'm by no means an expert. Um, have you ever used Slack to take part in an online community? You mean like with people within your... No, no, outside. Like you can just join a random Slack channel. I didn't know that you could a, do that. Around a particular subject. It is a little crazy because if you know Slack, it's just, it's like an instant messaging program. So you, you'd be joining a conversation like two thirds of the way and you have no idea what's happening. But... Um, I just started to look in some uh, on animation and design and stuff like that just to see how it would work because I know that um, Andre, our animator here, is in an animation uh, Slack channel that's just animators from around the city. Um, they all kind of you know chat about things and they kind of help each other out. So I was like, I'm going to check this out. Um, it was very niche, which is, which is awesome because I had no idea what they were talking about, but very passionate and very helpful. Um, and I just thought that that way of communicating with people like and like it through an instant messenger is very different than the experience of looking on Reddit, right? Because Reddit, I find, even though a lot of people don't, you have time to think about something, write it down, and create a, a thread about it. Slack is immediate. People are there and they're online and they're they're chatting, and it's kind of like um, the difference would be like going to a party full of people who are interested in something and walking by a conversation that's already happening and that sounds interesting. So that's kind of like if you're if you guys are ever interested in that, like that's what Slack could do. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. Very cool. I had no idea that Slack would do that at all. I thought we had to stay in the pound and grain uh, community, but <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> no, you can join Slack channels. Uh, there's there's overall Slack channels. There's there's actually one. Um, so Slack themselves, we're getting a little off, off topic here, but it's actually kind of cool. So Slack themselves, as a promotional tool, a little while ago had a guess this word, uh, guess the word of the day and we'll give you $1,000. Mm-hmm. And you could go into the Slack channel, you type one word, and if you were correct, you'd win $1,000. And if you were incorrect, then you wouldn't be able to type anymore, and they would, everybody would just go in there with different words. They would never give you a hint or anything. They're, every day, <laughs> people just go in there with words. And it was just a way for people to start using Slack more and do and bake that into the sort of their daily. So I would, like just in terms of like online communities, there's because it's, it's a different way of experiencing that. Well, Scott, you should have 
told us all this information a week before the podcast so we could have talked about it but oh well we'll have to really come back to that i kind of fell on it when we were told that we were going to do this and i did a little bit of research (laughs) (laughs) but you mentioned something interesting like the the way that they use that as like a contest um is an important part of communities online communities is like the incentive of what you're getting back Mm -hmm. because uh, people will really only contribute if they feel like they're also getting something in return so whether it's they're giving advice and they're also getting advice whether they're getting laughs out of entertainment and then they're getting to give back you know their views which in in return supports the creator Um, so yeah it definitely has to be going both ways for it to be successful and keep going respect the hustle. Uh, so it's it's our it's our our regular section of the podcast. Respect the hustle. Does anybody want to go first? Uh, sure, I'll go first. I'll go second. <laughs> okay, so since we're talking about online communities today, it's not the most impressive looking website. I'll I'll say that. But one of my heroes, Nick Cave. I've talked about him a lot to people who care. Cave, not Cage. Yeah, Cave, uh, not Keja, not Nicholas Keja. Uh, Nick Cave from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, who, for those of you don't, who don't know, he has had a probably 30-year musical career that's changed many times. He started off as like a punk who became sort of like a crooner ballad type of guy who late in his career started a like fuzz rock punk band and then parlayed all of that into a successful career as a composer for films and somehow at the, at the same time has managed to write two novels and at least three screenplays um, that have become movies. So screenwriter, novelist, incredible performer, incredible musician, and he started this sort of like community for his fans that's like ask ask me a question and i'll answer it oh that's cool yeah it's very cool have you asked him a question i haven't asked him a question but he's like in his very he's a very weird sort of dude he's very like intellectual uh but also dark so he puts a lot of time and effort into answering these questions and the reason that it was in the news just recently is that one of his fans wrote in and said i have writer's block what do i do and along with uh, giving some suggestions about what to do to fight writer's block, he gave this fan a full song, all the lyrics that he had written, and said, go ahead and do something with it. So very cool. He's giving, his, giving back to the fans, basically. What's the significance of the title, The Red Hand Files? Uh, one of his most famous songs is called The Red Right Hand, which you would know from Peaky Blinders oh. and from uh, the famous Dumb and Dumber scene. I was like Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is from Macbeth. Oh, okay. <laughs> or I think it was a biblical reference. It's from Cain and Abel, I think. Mm-hmm. But anyways, great song. One that you would have heard a lot and probably not known that it was him, but it's from a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. You remember in Dumb and Dumber when um, Jim Carrey gets robbed by a little old lady on a motorized cart? <laughs> no, but that doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility of things that happen in Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, he's got some... He, he got himself some money and he's got a big hat and he went and bought out all this stuff and then he was, tries to get a newspaper out of the oh, box and he right. loses his wallet in it while the song's playing during that. So, oh. Also, I went a little deep there, but Dumb and Dumber plus Nick Cave is like... Yeah. Yeah, Makes you got to talk yeah, about that. Yeah. Of course, I remember that. Yeah, that's a Nick Cuban special. Totally. 
This is cool though. Like I, I, I totally dig it when they're like, yeah, yeah, ask me a question, and then they're it's they're not just they're not just like moderators. They're actually totally. giving answers, which I think is super powerful, especially if you're one of the lucky recipients who gets an answer. Yeah, and it's like there's super personal answers as well. Um, like for instance, there's one talking about someone who's. Um, non-binary and says you made me feel neither male or female and he goes into this long answer about how he's he never felt even though he's like obviously uh, overtly masculine in a lot of his lyrics he has a sort of like androgynous style especially when performing and it's because he never felt one way or the other but it didn't have as much of a title as uh, a lot of people feel like they need to have so he was just talking through this person and Telling them to be what they need to be, type of thing. I don't know. It's just lots of like self-helpy in a way that's wouldn't be cool if it wasn't people like reaching out to a hero to hear mm-hmm. it from them. So, yeah, I thought it was neat. That's awesome and yeah. relevant. Good, good find and relevant community. There's two others that I'd, I'm taking so much time, but very quickly because we're talking about uh, online communities, bands have been a big one in the past. A lot of them are like uh, the Pearl Jam Ten Club stands springs to mind i remember even when i was a kid you could mail things to the 10 club and hopefully get back written responses from the members of pearl jam so now it's still now it's an online community where the same type of thing happens it's paid membership so i don't do it (laughs) (laughs) and the radiohead community that was also in the news this week because a guy tried to steal radiohead um unreleased songs and blackmail the band to get them back and the Radiohead online community sprung into action to figure out who this joker was and put their like sleuthing hats on and all talked about it for a full week. Anyways, just yeah, a lot of power there. Very cool. Yeah. Andrea, you wanted to go second. Sure, yes. So mine is not aligned with online communities. Oh well. But it has to do with social, I guess. So um, you guys may know this, but I didn't know this, but with Snapchat, you're able to create a custom filter. Did mm-hmm. you guys know that? Yeah, that's actually, we're actually in the middle of doing that right now for a project. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, anyways, well, that sucks. I didn't know, but I ended up creating a custom filter for Pounder Grain, which is what I'm going to be sharing on Monday. Awesome. But I didn't actually go through and pay for it yet but we could for potentially for like one of our events but anyways i went through all the steps and if we wanted to do like a custom filter for pound and grain it'd be like 25 dollars for like for the day or something so awesome i don't know i thought that was like really cool so i created one um that i think is like representative of us at pound and grain so. i am actively recruiting you to become part of the filter uh, project now. Sure. You're, you're the first one to have done it. <laughs> We've well, all read about it. I didn't, it. We're like, we're I didn't do it all the way. I'm like, I don't want to pay for this yet, but <laughs> I did awesome. go through. Yeah. I thought it was really cool and like really cool for uh, events. If you're doing like an event. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and an interesting respect the hustle, because I think the takeaway from that is that we have to respect your hustle yeah. for doing it. <laughs> yeah. So good stuff. Just a side note. I don't have a respect the hustle, but just a tangent off of that. We were talking about, Instagram and Snapchat before and I think that is one thing that Snapchat still has above Instagram like Snapchat has really honed in on providing creator tools mm-hmm. um, but more people use Instagram so I'm like waiting for Instagram to make it more available to users to create their own gifts to add or to add like yeah. upload their own 
stickers and stuff and personalize their stories a bit more. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I think it's just a matter of time before um, Instagram jumps and does something similar. Very cool. Uh, My Respect the Hustle is... uh, Has anybody here heard of the the company called Rivian? And and I doubt it because they recently just changed their name from something else. Anyway, Rivian (laughs) is a automotive company that creates sport utility vehicles and, and... uh, and off-road trucks that are battery-powered, mm-hmm. um, and they are very well supported. They're they're basically trying to change the carbon footprint on on how people are able to to mobilize, not just in cities but also in rural areas. Um, so recently, um, one of the ideas that they had was once a car, once one of their uh, sport utility vehicle batteries is no longer able to power the car, it doesn't mean that that physical battery is useless. So they can actually charge it um, through a series, I'm not gonna get into the science because I don't know it, but there is a method that they can essentially recharge that battery and have it provide power in other ways. So what they've done is they've actually partnered with Alex Hunold, who, if you guys have ever watched the documentary Free Solo, he is the guy that climbs mountains with no gear. Um, He's basically a daredevil um, who has uh, his own charity. Um, where he's looking to continually support small communities, small rural communities throughout the world. Um, so they, Rivian has actually partnered with, with Alex Hunold, and they're currently building a battery farm in a place called Casa Pueblo, um, where the entire city is going to be powered by uh, used uh, Rivian sport utility vehicle batteries which is pretty cool if you think about it. So all the businesses, all the restaurants, everything in this town is going to be powered by recycled batteries. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of an interesting interesting thing. Is this like a city that's not super well off? So it's like It a- is definitely not super well off. Um, they were actually I think they were devastated by a hurricane a couple of years ago as well. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those communities that just really needs help. Um, and it, and in Puerto Rico the cost of energy is significantly larger than other countries just because it's so hard to get power in certain areas. Um, so I think it's really cool what they're doing is they're not only looking at it in terms of like, well, we're recycling, but we're also really helping people that, that need it. So I totally respect Rivian and Alex Hunold for even giving this a shot because it might not succeed, but at least they're trying. And whether or not it's a PR stunt or whatever doesn't really matter in my No, point of view. they're helping people. Thanks for listening to Version Control, the online community community. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to rate us on iTunes.